values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you know a remarkable Valley teacher that deserves a $2,500 check, we have the pay tribute to a teacher program going on right now. Well, you can just text the word teacher to 411923 and nominate a great Valley teacher. It's the pay tribute to a teacher com- a contest. I wouldn't say contest, but it's more of a pay tribute to these teachers. Now, nominate a great one uh, presented by your Valley Toyota dealers. So we have to touch on the immigration issue and what's going on. Um, a couple of things, headlines that have happened over the last couple of days. One is that uh, Governor DeSantis uh, flew in two plane loads of people, and there were conflicting reports on how many there were, but uh, two plane loads of people to Martha's Vineyard. And we all know Martha's Vineyard, a very elite place. Um also, uh, busloads of migrants dropped out and fr- dropped off in front of the vice president's home. What I find interesting about this is the outrage. Well, let's let's step back for a moment. Um, there was a lot of people camped outside of the homes of uh, and making threats against the homes of uh, Supreme Court justices because of their decision that, you know, Dodd and everything else that happened with Roe v. Wade. And so there were protests and threats and neighbors were sick of it and everything else was going on. But this somehow is is horrible. Um, I want you to hear uh, a state senator from Massachusetts and comments about uh, the flights to Martha's Vineyard. They're looking just for a better life. Um, and, and, and to see this gotcha moment, this stunt uh, really used for political gain is, is pretty disgusting. This is where I think all of this gets so clouded. They're looking for a better life. Yes, they are. I, I've talked about shifting the focus. And we, the the people that are want the border secured, uh, we have to do a better job of framing our argument. Uh, we have to be better apologists for the points of view that we carry. Um, we're always going to be called by people that don't have an argument against what we say. They are going to call us racist or xenophobic or you don't care. I, I can look at myself in the mirror and tell you I definitely care, that I do the best I can to to give back of my time, and I have a very big heart toward people that want a better life in this country. But to lump everybody together and call them all migrants is not fair either. When you shift the focus from what's happening in this regard to the people that have done it the right way. I've told the story about separated families before. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, and I know that when you talk about someone that's in a separated family, the the chain migration, and we're not talking about the uh, immediate family members, but cousins and aunts and uncles and all this, but the immediate family members. Many, many times when people come to this country the right way, they come to this country alone. They go through the visa process. They get the green card. They spend the time. They spend the money. They spend the years. They take the test. They become citizens. Then after After that time period, which is seven years, I believe, then they apply to have their families come and join them. So those families are separated by our rules as they stand as well. And uh, I had an interaction with a man from an African country. He was a cab driver in Vegas. And I've told this story a number of times, and I'll never forget this guy. Um, We started talking, when he found out what I did for a living, we started talking politics. And just in general. And he must have, in the short drive from the strip in Vegas to the the airport, um, he must have said, God bless America, 15 times. Tears in his eyes while he was telling me the story. Um, left his family because there was not a visa agree- agreement in his country and was homeless for a couple of years in a country that had a visa agreement with America until he hit the visa lottery and was able to come to this country on a visa. Then he came to the country by himself. 
spent the time it took to become a citizen, got his citizenship, and then brought his wife and son. He said to me, the last time I saw my son, he was two years old. I didn't see him again until he was 16. He said, thank God for my wife taking care of my son. That's how he built a life in America. Owns a home. They have an American-born daughter. Those are the people that have done it the right way. How do we look at people that are here in the country illegally and say to them, you are going to get the exact same rights as the people that have done it the right way? That's where my problem lies. It isn't with the people that are coming here in the sense of we understand why they're coming. We should fix our immigration system. But the broken border, this is in direct response. This form of protest that's happening right now, there's a couple of things. This is in direct response to the vice president of the United States saying that the border is secure. That's why people were dropped off at the vice president's house. The border is not secure. She was charged early in the Biden presidency with securing the border. She has done Absolutely nothing. And where's the accountability? Where is the the major media networks and people screaming at the vice president? If you remember, they kept asking her, when are you going to the border? When are you going to the border? Not today. She joked. Then she went to El Paso for a photo op and never went back. Things are worse than they've ever been. Record numbers of people dying in the desert or in the at the border. Uh, most dangerous land crossing in the world. More people crossing the border than have ever crossed before. It is something unbelievable. It is just unbelievable. And so now when you have people that say, yes, I'll get on a bus. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Chicago. Um, the flying to Martha's Vineyard. Some of the people said that they were told they were going to Boston. They didn't know where they were. And the funny thing about this is now they're talking about the mistreatment of people. Now they're saying these people, they're putting on clean operational buses or airplanes and sent across the country. What about the way they were treated as they traversed Mexico and the dangerous journeys in the desert? Where's the outrage there? This is such a fake political outrage because it's Republican governors that are doing it to Democrat either states or cities. So this is about Republican Democrat. That's about right and left. It's not about right and wrong. Because the people that you say they just want a better life, these are human beings, they are dying crossing the border. They are dying and being le- or being left for dead because they fall behind. The statistic, this story, for everything we talk about in our society, um, about how horrible sexual assault is, and it is absolutely despicable. That every single woman that crosses the border illegally, and I should say, I, should, I don't know the fact that it's every single one, but they all are warned, and the vast majority of them carry the morning after pill with them. And not just one, sometimes they carry multiple pills because they expect, they expect to be raped on the journey at least once. That's the statistic. That's what's happening. Not to mention the human trafficking element of it, where young men are forced into the drug trade. They're the ones that are muling drugs across our border with threats against their lives and the lives of their family members. And the young girls, the the horribly filthy industry of human trafficking and sex trafficking, girls are forced into that. These are the cartels that are bringing these people across our border. And then when a Republican governor puts them on a bus and sends them across the country to Chicago or to New York, or to Washington, D.C., or the governor of Florida flies them to Martha's Vineyards. Now, all of a sudden, you have people that say, this is horrible. This is inhumane. These are human beings. Well, where were you worrying about those human beings when the cartels were lying to them before they traversed Mexico, made the dangerous crossing into the U.S., and were raped and sometimes 
killed on the journey. Why, where were your complaints now? Why aren't you screaming at Joe Biden that he has to do something to stop this? Because you look at this as right versus left, not right versus wrong. And that's the shame of all of this. We as a country should be furious at our entire government for not fixing this. Not our state governments, our federal government. We should be outraged that they are not doing this for the exact same reason. These are human beings. The exact same reason. In a moment, the update on the continuing saga of the managing partner for the Suns and the Mercury, Robert Sarver, as players begin to speak out in some audio from the commissioner of the league on why the team wasn't taken away. You'll hear it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I uh, want you to hear first from the NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. They, the questions were being asked about Robert Sarver and the time, the suspension for one year, the $10 million fine. And there were people asking the question of why are, why this franchise had not been taken away from Robert Sarver. Did it not rise to the level of that kind of punishment? So a couple of things I want you to hear as he comments about why that didn't happen. There was no discussion around the, the process of removing him. There was a discussion around um, this case. So there's no discussion discussion of it. And he says it's just it's not a simple thing to do. There's no neat answer here. I mean, it's other, other than owning property, the rights that come with 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 owning an NBA team, you know, how that's set up within our Constitution, what it would take to remove that team, you know, from his control is a very involved process. And it's different than holding a job. It just is when 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 you actually own a, a team. It's, a, it's, it's just a very different proposition. So the argument there, the conversation is is there about whether or not the owners should be removed for what this report states. And I'm going to get to some player comments in just a moment, but I want you to hear the last thing. He said, he, he said, according to the rules, the Constitution of the NBA, he does not have the right to do that. I have certain authority by virtue of this organization, and that's what I exercised. I don't have the right to take away his team. I don't want to rest on that neat legal point because, of course, there could be a process to take away someone's team in this league. It's very involved. And I ultimately made the decision that it didn't rise to that level. But to me, the consequences are severe here on Mr. Sarver. So Chris Paul has spoken out. He is a team leader. He is a veteran. He was a member of the L.A. Clippers when they went through the same kind of thing with an owner. But he was on tape using racial slurs. And and so that owner was gone. But Chris Paul was a part of that team as well. He is the leader on this team. He seems to be um, what, who everybody follows. I think it was a very prudent thing for everybody involved in the organization, from the coach to the players, to wait until a decision was made and a report was out that they could look at. Because many people were asked about it, and many people, I believe, honestly were saying, I've never seen that happen. I've never heard that happen, which I think is entirely possible because a lot of these charges go back a long way. I'm not condoning anything. I'm just trying to lay out the, the, the kind of the lay of the land of what this report was saying. But now that the report is done, Chris Paul took to Twitter and said this. Like many others, I reviewed the report. I was and am horrified and disappointed by what I read. This conduct, especially towards women, is unacceptable. 
and must never be repeated. I am of the view that the sanctions fell short in truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all of the people that were affected. So there are people that are are very upset saying this wasn't enough. And, and, you know, again, I guess it's all relative. Ten million dollars is a lot of money. Ten ten million dollars is almost an unimaginable amount of money for some people. But ten million dollars, considering the wealth of Robert Sarver, is a drop in the bucket. And so um, what are you looking at there for punishment? I know that sounds silly that $10 million could possibly be a small amount of money to somebody, but it is not a, it's a significant amount of money. But in consideration of his wealth, it isn't. The one year away from the team, I think that's an issue. Um, but what is it possible for Mr. Sarver to rebuild – his reputation. I, I will give you a couple of examples. Um, if you look at Michael Vick, completely different sport, complete, completely different set of circumstances, except for public backlash. Michael Vick was found to be to abuse animals, dog fighting, and just horrible treatment of dogs. And was tossed out of the league. I think he went to prison for a while. Uh, Michael Vick rebuilt his reputation and was able to come back because he was dedicated and focused on restoring relationships. It didn't happen overnight. He made his apologies over and over again. He showed himself to be an upstanding citizen. And, you know, I think everybody deserves a second chance. Now, what we see here, how will Mr. Sarver handle this? That's what I when I look at it, that's what I think. How will he handle it? Will he address it head on? Will he have meetings with the teams when he's able to or through? I mean, how do you if you're not allowed to be around anything NBA, how do you convey your apology to a team that is finally back in the conversation for an NBA title? How do you convey this to the fan base that was with them throughout all of those years where they were not successful and now they're successful again? And everybody, when the suns come up, you're going to see a picture of Sarver and some of this report. How do you make that apology? What do you say to the community at large that you've learned from this? How do you rebuild your reputation? All this is important and his responsibility to his partners because we don't know what the fallout might be when it comes to sponsors and you know business partners when it comes to the businesses that pay big money to have the Suns logo as, uh, attached to them. Phoenix Suns are going to carry on. They'll have new leadership. Uh, they do so much. And I want to. I want to be very clear about the Phoenix Suns. This is goes back decades. This goes back before Robert Sarver. But Phoenix Suns charities do so much good work in the community. They really are dedicated in making sure that this community is served with the dollars that they raise, and they affect so many great things in this community. Uh, so I don't want to see that lost. I, the Phoenix Suns name, I think, will be fine. What happens with Robert Sarber? As long as he is attached to the Suns, are they going to have a hard time getting reputable businesses to attach their name? That's what the Suns have to worry about from a business standpoint. But everybody's forgivable. Everybody's redeemable. We've seen it over and over again in life, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But it's only been a couple of days since this report has come out. What will Robert Sarver do to regain his reputation with people? Or get rid of the old reputation. Can it be rebuilt? And we'll see. It's an interesting question, and we will definitely see. Gas prices falling across the country. Not so much here. Why is it not falling as much here in the state of Arizona? We'll talk about it coming up in just a moment. 
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, gas prices falling across the country, not so much here in Arizona. I want you to hear just a little bit of a report about this. Why is it happening across the country, but we're not seeing relief here? According to AAA, the national average for a gallon of gas is $3.70. That is down $0.06 cents in the last week. But here in Arizona, drivers are paying an average of $4.04 per gallon. That's an increase of $0.05 cents in just the last week. Yeah, that's actually what I paid this morning. I filled up this morning on the way into the radio station and it was at a QT paid four dollars four cents a gallon and so I'm right at the average um, so looking at this story thanks to air quality issues Phoenix requires a higher quality fuel that comes from California uh, it's refineries being down in California are affecting prices this according to Patrick Dehan from gas buddy and so these are again uh, production issues refining issues um, what we, we are going to see more and more of this I believe because the fuel industry, the fossil fuel industry, is – and when I say under attack, that sounds like such an inflammatory statement. But they are. They are being told that we, you are going to be obsolete. We are running you out of business. Um, if you remember buying a, – a, a go, look, go back. I'm older. Um, you got a VCR. Um, you didn't – there were – after a while, TV repairmen. There used to be shops where they would you take your television or they would come to your home and fix your TV. I remember my, grand, my grandparents had one of those old console TVs with few, with, uh, with the, with the uh, tubes in the back and all that stuff. And you would had to have somebody come out and assess the damage and fix it. And it got to a point where you didn't fix a VCR or a DVD player or a TV. You threw it away. It became disposable, and an industry ended up becoming obsolete. So they're telling the fossil fuel industry, long before they're going to be obsolete, we're going to make you obsolete. They are not investing in improvements. They are not investing in capacity and increasing capacity, and it's why diesel fuel is still as expensive as it is. But this is just one of the long list of things that we are facing. And I, you know, we've got to be fair. I, I voice my disagreements every day. I did, I've never agreed with these policies. But the people that do agree with the policies of this administration, if you believe that climate change is the number one thing we're facing, if you think the fault of the fossil fuel industry or they are largely at fault for what we are facing and they need to be wiped out and we are going in the right direction, if you believe those things, you also have to accept the cost that comes with it. There are going to be growing pains at a minimum – for everybody in America, and we know that it hits the middle class always and the people at the lower end of the economic spectrum, they get hit the hardest. Businesses are getting crushed by this. And so here in Arizona, we have to have that different blend of gasoline for this time of year. Because of our air quality. Well, we live in a dust bowl, and that's a big reason why our air quality is not good a lot of the time. Um, so I want to just read some of this. This is a story that was uh, was published in the New York Post, and it's heartbreaking reality of Biden inflation. People have told me I lost weight, but I can't afford groceries is the headline. And it's a story about real people that says you want to be able to raise your child in a society where you're able to give them the best and provide the best for them. This is a woman named Brianna Howard, a 34-year-old healthcare worker. Um, she and her four, uh, she and her four Americans reveal, and other four Americans reveal, the record inflation is wreaking havoc in their families. Um, so, 
There are real issues. The politics of this is going to continue. The idea of are we in a recession, I've said that. That's a political term in America right now. It is a technical term, but it's used as a political um, ammunition. But the reality is it doesn't matter what you call it when people are hurting. Uh, we just found out that I believe it's – is it Ford that's getting ready to lay off uh, um, thousands of people? That they are now seeing they're getting rid of a lot of their white-collar jobs because of transitions that are happening. Um, this from the New York Times. New inflation developments are rattling markets and economists, and here's why. And it talks about the price increases and the inflation and the lack of discretionary income, how deposits into people's bank accounts have dropped dramatically as far as savings accounts go because people are trying having to use everything they are earning to pay for the goods and services they need. The bright spot has been the drop in gas prices. We're not really seeing that here as much as other places. But on top of all of that, we also are seeing major inflation in housing. We've talked quite a bit about how we can improve that, and we should continue to do that. We have got to get our arms around a housing shortage because if we don't, working class people – and I, we, I talked about it yesterday. The survey that's out that says the people that are getting pinched the most when it comes to rent are people that are young people and people making between 50 and I would say households between 50 and $100,000 a year. They have seen the most dramatic increase because that's kind of the price range where people are renting to start until they save enough money to buy. And – Doing this, I will say, doing this right now um, is tough. And I think about the people I know that are struggling with a small business. And it's it has been the dramatic over. I told you I have a friend who owns a couple of restaurants here in town. And talking with him over the past year and watching what inflation has done to the restaurant industry. And his example was always chicken wings. Because I think every restaurant I know of, with few exceptions, have chicken wings on their menu. And when you're paying three times um, what you were paying before for chicken wings, no one is going to go to a restaurant and pay $21 for an order of chicken wings. So how do you make sure you bring your customers in, but there's no point in bringing customers in if you're not making any money, if you're losing money? And then if you price it at the place where you're making money, people aren't going to come in. You staffing issues, hard to get people, hard to keep people, hard to pay people. You're paying more for everything. All of your bills are going up. The power company's raising rates right now. On top of that, I'll go down the road again. 87,000 new IRS agents are coming. Small businesses beware. And you are also seeing a higher tax rate that's coming. So this is what has people afraid, and the markets are responding accordingly. But as far as gas goes, it's because of the blend of gas we use, and there's some refining issues in California where the refineries were shut down, and so it'll adjust eventually, but we're just not seeing it here yet. Uh, A controversial new social media bill in California. So I'm going to talk about this in a minute. Is it a threat to your First Amendment rights? I think it is. We're going to talk about it coming up in a couple of moments. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
Thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, you can do it very easily on any device you have, and it's easy. And then you just listen at your convenience, never miss a minute of the show. And I want to thank my good friend Carol Rice, Keller Williams Realty East Valley, for sponsoring the podcast this week. You can get more. You can get a higher price selling your home by go and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. So Gavin Newsom in California has signed a piece of legislation that is a social media transparency measure that he says protects residents from hate and disinformation posts spread through social media platforms. It will require media companies to publicly post their policies regarding hate speech, disinformation, harassment, and extremists extremism on their platform and report data on their enforcement of these policies. Here we go. Let's have a conversation about this. Um, first of all, I think this is a blatant a violation of the First Amendment. Let's start with the broad terms that they are using. Uh, hate speech. Who determines what hateful speech is? If you are uh, – there are segments, not everyone, but there are elements of the LGBTQ plus community that would say the Bible is hate speech because it denounces um, homosexuality. Says it's the wrong thing. By the way, the very same people that believe that that's I just I want to defend for a moment, not defend the Bible, but defend the mindset of some people. This is what gets me because I I uh, I was raised Catholic and then I attended a Baptist church for over 10 years. And so I've been on both sides of the Protestant Catholicism or Catholic point of view. Here's what I don't understand. Everybody wants to spit in somebody else's eye without looking at their own behavior. The same book that condemns homosexuality is the same book that condemns coveting and condemns adultery and condemns all of these other behaviors as well. But somehow you want to focus on one, and I don't understand that. But whatever. I mean, that's that's your own ideological views. But is that hate speech? In the eyes of some, it sure is. But then in the eyes of a conservative Christian person, What you say about religion might be considered hate speech. So who gets to define hate? Now let's talk about disinformation. Anybody want to go back over the last 18 months of tweets and social media posts on Instagram that were blocked and on Facebook that had disclaimers about COVID-19 and ivermectin and vaccines and all those people? Had their, there were people that had their accounts suspended. There were people that had their accounts blocked. There were people that had their, their posts either pushed down, completely eliminated, or with a disclaimer on them as disinformation. And they turned out to be right. The threat here is who's in charge. So for everyone out there that's listening to my voice, we went from George W. Bush to Barack Obama. From Barack Obama to Donald Trump and from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. That pendulum has been swinging from one side to the other every four years or so, eight years. Every time we change presidents dramatically in the other direction. So if you put somebody in charge of defining hate in your law and then defining truth versus disinformation – doesn't that change with a new administration? Wouldn't the uh, wouldn't the um, definition of disinformation change in California under Gavin Newsom or under uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida? 
wouldn't it just on the issue COVID-19 mask mandates and vaccines? Wouldn't there be a huge difference in disinformation? Ron DeSantis would tell you that the people that were being forced to wear masks and the people that were being forced to take vaccines and the people that weren't allowed to use ivermectin were the people that were being put upon because the truth is those things weren't necessary. That's the truth, according to the governor, Ron DeSantis. Gavin Newsom, he didn't wear a mask, but he wanted everybody else to. Vaccine mandates, by the way, a little disclaimer about mandates. I don't know if you saw this. I told you a couple of weeks ago that if you go to the National Institute of Health uh, COVID-19 treatment page, recommended treatments, uh, ivermectin is now listed there. They kind of snuck that in. Well, there's been a new development as well. Um, The Navy has decided to drop its vaccine mandate for the Navy SEALs. That was also done very quietly. So we are seeing that all of these people that were labeled disinformation people and conspiracy theorists and tinfoil hat wearers have been figured out that they were right all along, or at least partially right. They certainly weren't uh, spreading disinformation. So we are now in in a nation where our First Amendment protects our right to speech going to say we are now going to have government officials dictate what is reliable and truthful and what is disinformation. Do you not see how terribly wrong that's going to go? Do you not see how horribly wrong that is going to go? Let's talk for just a second about the Hunter Biden laptop and Facebook. Facebook covering up those stories. And then the owner of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, admitting, I did the wrong thing. I regret doing that at the behest of the FBI. So freedom of speech is freedom of speech is freedom of speech. And I think this is a dangerous precedent to set with this law. They may be well-intentioned, but it is going to be a disaster. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, I had a great conversation with the interim police chief in the city of Phoenix. His name is Michael Sullivan. And I'm going to let you hear a little bit of what he said. And I want to comment about the time I spent with him uh, because Phoenix PD is going through some changes. So we'll talk about those changes coming up in a couple of moments.